Welcome to Rumble Strip Vermont. I'm Erica Heilman. This show is called That Song. This is the soundtrack to my freshman year in high school. Then I get a little bit lonely and you're never coming around. This is what played in my head when I walked in the halls at school, thinking about a skinny boy called Mike. Mike was the only boy I knew who carried a cloth handkerchief to blow his nose with. Mike was also a madrigal singer, and he had that charisma that madrigal singers have. I never told anyone I listened to this song, but Total Eclipse of the Heart captured how I felt about Mike. Mike didn't like me, and the song, which is a sad song when I heard it in my head at school, it made me feel even sadder, which I guess is what I wanted. This is an hour of songs and stories about songs. You'll hear about sack races, summer camp, love, lost, and found. There's some meatloaf in this hour. There's brave singing and humming. There's blood. There are guitar solos. It's an hour of music you're sure to love and hate, and I encourage you to dance. Welcome. went to a camp called Singing Eagle Lodge, so obviously we did a lot of singing. We sang after every lunch and every dinner, and we made up a lot of songs. Every time we went on a, um, a trip, a canoe trip or a mountain trip, we made up a song to depict the trip. And everybody in the camp learned those songs and sang them after meals. Um, so that's why we were the Singing Eagle Girls. <laughs> Way back in the woods, there's a world of our own, a place that is dear to us all. We're eager to come when the winter is done, and we hate so to leave in the fall. It's life at its best. Yes, it's life in the woodland. Where love da 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 can remember in each one has to give that's what helps us to live Eagle Lodge every girl who f- I I remember who for strives I think I always sang it wrong. <laughs> Because it doesn't make any sense, but that's the way I sang it. <laughs> when I was in uh, sixth or seventh grade, we actually had uh, something called singing class. And they uh, had these big books uh, with a lot of uh, songs in which we mindlessly sang and enjoyed. And uh, a lot of the songs, I think, were kind of military songs. <coughs> the one that... Um, that stuck in my head is off we go into the wild blue yonder flying high into the sky off we go into the well it it, it only has the one line and uh, yonder I looked it up uh, was apparently common in uh, 
13th century England, I think. It's Middle English. And the other place where people actually say it is the Deep South here. My grandfather used to say that. Yonder comes that old dog. Yonder comes trouble. And the other place it has found a home is apparently in the Air Force. Off we go into the wild blue yonder, flying high into the sky. Try it sometime. When I was a kid, um, I lived with my dad, and um, he uh, he had a stereo. And when I was, um, I would come home, and he would be um, sitting with headphones on, listening to the stereo. He would be in his boxer shorts nothing but his boxer shorts, and he'd be ship smoking a joint. And the music would be sit, played, played so loud on these uh, headphones that you could hear it throughout the whole house, through the headphones. And he'd be listening to Meatloaf. <laughs> and uh, so it, it was bad out of hell. And uh, it goes like, all I can do is keep on telling you I want you. I want you. I need you. I need you. But there ain't no way I'm ever gonna love you. Now don't be sad. Don't, don't be sad. Cause two out of three ain't bad. Now don't. I don't really remember whose idea it was. Um, my girlfriend at the time decided we would sing together and we'd sing a duet. So we practiced and practiced and practiced. And you were singing singing for what? Singing for a talent show. Well, the idea was that I was a senior, we're going to go ahead and be involved in this talent show. And the weekend before the talent show, she came down with mono. And so she couldn't sing. And so probably the most logical thing would have been for me to just not do anything and bow, <laughs> and bow out of the whole thing. But for some reason, I got in my mind that I had to sing. Just to set at this stage a little bit, what kind of a, who, like, who were you in high school? Well, I was a pretty quiet kid, and I've been, the, you know, I've been dating this girl for a couple of years, so that was probably all I did. I played soccer, and I played in the band, and I didn't really do a whole heck of a lot. Didn't try, tried hard not to draw attention to myself, put it that way. I was there that night. We had lots of different kinds of performances. We had a full stage of jugglers called Juggling with Steve. That really struck me because I thought it was so bizarre. <laughs> And then in the midst of all this chaos from this amazing night, we come to Jeff's performance, which, you know, was I who would have thought that I would marry this guy? But I just was absolutely transfixed watching him. I can't remember where I was. I think I was in one of the front rows. But all of a sudden we see this jock on stage all by himself. And the place just goes silent. And I don't even remember what he sang. All I remember was the audience just being completely in awe that this guy had the courage to sit up there and sing this love song in front of the whole school. Uh, I gained a whole new respect for him that night. I'll so never... did the whole school? So did the whole school. So did the whole school. Can you sing a few bars? I don't even remember the song particularly well. Okay. But I don't. <laughs> uh, the song, the, well, if you told me you were drowning, I would not lend a hand. 
I've seen that face before, my friends, and I don't know if you know who I am. So that's about all I can do. No, dude, because that's not, that's not even, that's like the preamble. How does the chorus go? Uh, I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Oh, Lord. That's it. It's a beautiful song. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Oh, Lord. And I've been waiting for this moment for all my life. Oh, Lord. And then we had this really amazingly bizarre uh, performance by our friend Felix Lawrence. They were, it was a Santana song and they got up on stage and there's a band and before we knew it there were pineapples and blood and sticky stuff and and I don't think anybody had really prepared for this band to kind of degrade into pineapple smashing <laughs> craziness. The vegetative beat was my name that I gave to it and I, I uh, the name conjures for me some sort of like um, driving force, the beat, but there's no intelligence behind it. It's vegetative, and it just it's sort of basically a brute, you know, a brute force without any intelligence or guidance. You know, we were playing more or less uh, Black Magic Woman, and then. And just as on the album, it, it it segues into Oye Como Va. And about that time, we went and got all the vegetables out of the closet in the back. And we started handing them to people. And we thought, we didn't really know what would happen. But eventually, they started throwing them at the audience. And they started beaning the audience with carrots and, and onions and things like this. And the audience was kind of rowdy and, and you know ready for a fight so they would start throwing these things back at us so it was like this food fight and and this went on for easily 15 20 minutes until they closed the curtain on us they they forcibly closed the, the curtains on us but that was not before i got this this pineapple i got my dad lent me his pocket knife and um then i hold held the pineapple up by the fronds or the, the greenery of the pineapple and just stabbed at it. I held it over my head in the front of the stage and was just stabbing at it and all the juice was flying everywhere and I nicked one of my, part of my hand so I got a little bit of blood from my hand and all the juice was flying everywhere and then it, it just you know it just went downhill from there. <laughs> is the first song I've ever I ever learned the lyrics to. I was six years old and my family was at a resort in upstate New York called Pine Springs and there was a camp for the kids so the parents could enjoy themselves and sip cocktails at the pool or whatever. We all went to camp and we put on this production and we had to sing. There's no business like show business like no business I know. That's all I could remember. But it wasn't just my immediate family, which was my mom and me at the time. It was my aunts and my uncles and my cousins. And all my cousins and I were at this camp together in this performance, learning this song. So every time I feel it, I think of family. My sister is seven years older than me. So when I was in the fifth grade, 
She was in college, and uh, I she, like thought she was the coolest person. So I just have a memory of her listening to The Cure and listening to the song, and and I I don't know if I really loved it or I just loved her or what, but I can still sing it word for word. So, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> When it was announced at dinner that night who had won the track meet, the baseball game, the swim meet, the canoe race, whatever it was, we would put the captain up on a dining room table and eight or ten girls would lift the table as high as they could and they'd sing the Birch's song or the Pines song. Now those are two songs I ought to be able to come up. Here's to the birches, they're out to win. Fight to the finish, never give in. Ra ra ra, all girls together will be forever. Ra for the big birch team. Ra ra ra. <laughs> <laughs> Were you always? But a birch? here, here was this giant dining room, as you can imagine, having been to camp, filled with girls dressed in brown and white, the the birch team dressed in whites, the browns in brown, shorts, shorts and tops. And these women, you know, raised on, or these young women, they were probably 17, the captains were always the older girls, r raised up on these tables so that their heads nearly hit the roof of the, the wiggy, which is where we took our meals. The wiggy. The wiggy. And um, and it was just so moving and so you know exciting and and people felt so passionately about this. Were you always a birch or were you I ever was always a, a bitch? Oh, you're never never to switch. To you're a birch for life. <laughs> you're a birch. <laughs> when I arrive, I will bring the fire. Let it come. Yeah, that was my jam for a very good portion of my life. And I only had like 18 songs on my iPod. I remember when you when you sync your iPod to the computer, you can like see how many times you've played that song. It was somewhere in like 450 times. <laughs> and I remember there was a song, it was called uh, Fire Burning, big song. I listened to that song. Jeb and I, that was also around the phase where my brother and I were into yo-yoing. And we would yo-yo a lot and listen to that song. And then a song by M.I.A. called Paper Planes. That was another big song. I don't know why, but to have like a song that you know is going to like please you every time you listen to it is really great. Because you know you can, if you ever, it doesn't even matter, you can feel happy, sad, you know, upset, frustrated, and you can play a song and everything will be okay, which is really cool. What, why do we feel like kind of sensitive about our songs? Sensitive about Let It Rock and the other songs because uh, my music taste has greatly changed and it's like, uh, it's at the same time, you know, you get, you find a new song and the old song is all of a sudden completely lame and you are so over that old song and so into the new song. It's like talking about toys that you don't use anymore. 
my name is Wilson and I go to Hyde School. It's a prep school in Bath, Maine. And one of the things that Hyde really focuses on is um, getting out of yourself and um, really working on being courageous and just letting go of expectations and just going for it. So one thing that all the students have to do is sing an audition, which is basically you sing two minutes of a song a cappella in front of the entire school. Um, so coming in as a freshman, that was really nerve-wracking for me, and I thought about it a lot. Um, but I just picked a song that I liked. Um, I got up there and did it, and afterwards I felt really great, really great about it. Um, so the song that I'm going to sing is Waiting on the World to Change by John Mayer. I'm pretty sure I remember all the words from it, but um, I'm not as afraid as I was last time, so that's good. Um, me and all my friends were all misunderstood. They say we stand for nothing and there's no way we ever could. Now I see everything that's going wrong with the world and those who lead it. We just feel like we don't have the means to rise above and beat it. So we keep on waiting, waiting, waiting on the world to change. We keep on waiting, waiting, waiting on the world to change. Me and all my friends, we're all misunderstood. They say we stand for nothing and there's no way we ever could. Now we see everything that's going wrong with the world and those who lead it. We just feel like we don't have the means to rise above and For some reason, this must have been when I was probably I maybe eight years old. So at this time, I was going to the the Dennis C. Haley Elementary School, uh, which is kind of on the like down in Boston. But and every year they had like their field day. All the families would come on a Saturday and do like potato sack races and wheelbarrow races, and so. Around the same time, I'm watching this TV. This commercial would come on with all like the whatever super hits of the '50s, and I was young. And this one song that was always played that really stuck with me was the uh, "Purple People Eater" song. I don't even know who it's by, but I do remember. It was like the one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater, and I loved it. I was like just mesmerized by it. But I know who didn't play the song. And that was another person's name that scrolled by on the screen when they were showing all of the great songs you could buy when you bought the cassette. And that was some other musician named Bobby Pickett. And I loved his name so much. I wanted to be named Bobby Pickett so bad. And so along comes field days at the Dennis C. Haley. And uh, me and my dad or brother or someone, we wind up winning one of the competitions like potato sack race or something and so at the end of each of the competitions they call people up on stage uh, up on the they had like soap boxes piled up and you know they had the like blue ribbon for the winner and red ribbon for second place and so they um uh, standing up there and the principal of the school uh principal barry it's a great guy he's got the microphone and he's announcing the winners and he comes to me and he says you know and the red ribbon goes to, what's your name, son? He puts the microphone down and I say, my name's Bobby Pickett. <laughs> the principal of school looks at me. He looks out at the crowd. My parents are out there. 
They're going to look on their face like, what the hell is wrong with our son? He says, all right, well, you take your ribbon and have a good rest of the day. Well, I saw the thing coming out of the sky. It had a one long horn and one big eye. Like a Mr. Shaking in the city. It looks like a purple people eater to me. It was a one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater. So Finn was home this morning, and I was listening. We were listening to songs up, and the song came on, which is... Um, it's like one of these dance songs with Pitbull and someone else. I can't remember who it is. and But they sample this song by AHA <laughs> in it. And um, Take On Me. And so he starts singing along with it and he's dancing and I start dancing. And, and two things I'm thinking about. <laughs> one is the song was amazing for me growing up. You know, that is not the first time I've heard the song, but it's it was... Uh, you know, just the video that came out during that time was like blew my mind, and the uh, and the song itself I listened over and over and over again. And my sister still reminds me to this day that this she hates the song because I played it so much. <laughs> and then the second thing I thought of, <laughs> he knows nothing of rock music. All he knows is like pop crap, synthmatic. I just like it's just like eating candy. But it's just this funny that this one song, which like for me at around the age of 12 or 13 was huge, reminded me of, you know, this era in which I grew up, but also just his his taste being a little bit too much like my own <laughs> for my taste. <laughs> do, 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 Take on me. Take on me. Take me on. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> Just now, I'm visiting a friend of mine, Mark Brzezinski, who we call Spaz, and I'm reminded of when we were living in D.C., very close to each other, and it was later on when he was living nearby, still in the Mount Pleasant area, which was 16th Street Northwest, and sort of on a dividing line just east of Rock Creek Park, where a whole lot of ethnically and economically a whole lot of different people come together in Washington. That was before they put in the metro stop at 14th Street there, so it was a very dicey area. And uh, but I had this four track, and we were making a song. On, I was making a song on it myself, and um, I used up three of the tracks, and then I switched on a track which he had recorded previously, and listened to the whole thing just kind of come together by magic because he had been recording his own song which he then scrapped or had mixed down and, and gotten rid of. And so I, I was recording this sort of bright um, samba or bossa nova, very, a very upbeat sort of bright, uh, bouncy sort of song. And he had been recording it as he usually does, this sort of dirge, this sort of grungy dirge. And he had a, a lyric to go with it. And the lyric was left over and ended up going on my song, which you would think that they should not go together at all. And... But they did, and and his song he was he was sort of emulating somebody that you might see on the street in the neighborhood, who was saying, "Well, I, 
I need a, I can't, re, I can't remember what I just smoked, but I need another hit. And <laughs> he was saying, I'm not begging for change. I'm not begging for change. I'll make a change. But first, I'm going to need another hit. <laughs> but he, he really captured like some of the derelict characters that we saw in that neighborhood. And um, it was really hilarious, especially because the music that I ended up recording was, uh, you know, very, very upbeat and, and bright. And, you know, so you got the feeling like when he said, I, I'm going to need another hit that he was actually like, looking for professional success in the music industry perhaps he needed another hit record or <laughs> who knows who knows <laughs> but from, <laughs> from the sound from the sound of what he was saying is probably not in the cards that he would never that he would ever have a hit record <laughs> but <laughs> I was always a big hard rock fan, and um, one of my favorite artists for many years now has been Brian Eno. But the song that really got me into him was, you know, he was in Roxy Music, and that was, you know, I was a kid then. Um, but when he broke off from Roxy Music, he, he did about four solo albums where he sang and wrote the songs. And on the very first record, there's this song called Babies on Fire, and Robert Fripp, plays a guitar solo in that song that sounds like they're just burning things down. I mean, that solo is the most amazing hard rock guitar solo that has ever been done. The first time I heard it, it kind of scared me, you know, because these were like guys that I really admired and I was thinking, wow, what are they thinking, you know? Where the sun comes peeping into where I'm sleeping and the songbirds say hello. I want to wake up in the mountains where the rippling waters flow. And I'm coming back to Eagle Lodge, the best place that I know. I want to dream again in the evening when the campfire lights are low. Life has new meaning and we're all, and we're all done with seeming and our hearts are all aglow. 
I want to dream again in the evening when the campfire lights are low. And I'm coming back to Eagle Lodge, the best place that I know. I like love that, that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That's it for this show. I want to thank all the brave singers this hour, particularly my mom, who shared a lot of those uh, great camp songs from Camp Singing Eagle Lodge. You won't want to miss a video of my mom singing a song from Camp Singing Eagle Lodge uh, and doing inexplicable things with her hands. You can find that on my website, rumblestripvermont.com. Leave a comment while you're there. Stay tuned next week for Jari Chevalier and Living Hero. Thanks for joining me. Let's go out on some fifth dimension. The world's a nicer place in my beautiful balloon. It wears a nicer place in my beautiful balloon. We can sing a song and sail along the silver sky. Oh, we can. Change your find yourself loving me.